Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Over, overjoyed with that. Amen. Matthew chapter number one. I'll quit stalling. Verse number 18, I feel like a rookie tonight. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. While he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Three statements that stand out, and this is what I want to preach about tonight. And you might have to walk with me just a little bit because my brain is just a tad on the weird side sometimes. But verse number 18, there is the phrase that says, espoused to Joseph. In verse number 19, it calls Joseph her husband. But not much after that, it refers to her as his wife. How can you go from one verse just being espoused and another verse already being called husband and wife when you're in the same conversation. I want to preach to you tonight with the help of the Lord on this thought, the principle of betrothal. Would you lift your hands and ask the Lord to touch us tonight? We need His help by His Word. Father, we need You tonight. God, by Your mighty power, In the name of Jesus, help us by your word. In the name of Jesus, God will give you the praise and the glory and the honor for it. Somebody shout in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. The principle of betrothal. The word espoused means to give a woman in marriage, to make one's own. Uh, Betrothal is the closest thing in modern day language. The closest thing that we have similar to that is the word engagement. The word betrothal simply means in our modern day dialect engagement The word betroth would mean to arrange for the marriage of. It is important for us to understand the difference between engagement and the Jewish betrothal of biblical times. A betrothal in the past was the legal side of a marriage for the Jewish people. As a matter of fact, it is a covenant. It's more than just an engagement. There was no set way or rule of how to do it, but quite commonly it was done by the payment of a bride price. 
in the presence of two witnesses and they would recite the marriage formula which was this statement. Thou art consecrated to me according to the law of Moses and of Israel. The, the woman who is being betrothed is not required to respond. Her silence is her acceptance. The process reserved the young woman for him until the day of the wedding ceremony. And as my father put it, the day that I put an engagement ring on my wife's left finger, he said, you're putting a stake on your real estate. <laughs> Amen. The, the betrothal ceremony would reserve her for the final wedding ceremony, oh, yes. after which the marriage would be consummated in the biblical sense by two becoming one flesh. It really doesn't matter whether or not you call it betrothal or engagement. The important thing to understand is if there are vows involved or not. They know, the Jews of Bible times, they know that this is done when they are betrothed. We know it's done at the altar during the wedding ceremony. It's very clear in our minds that the wedding day, Brother James Malone, is the day of no return. That's the day, I'm not saying you wanted to return, I'm just saying. That's the day that once it is signed, sealed, delivered, there's no going back. For the Jews, this day occurred at the betrothal. And it was very clear to them. An engagement for us can be called off any time, for any reason, because no vows are made. I've told many young people in my lifetime that you do not go through with your wedding if you have questions. That you can break an engagement because no vows are made. In the Jewish life, you could not break a betrothal as easily as we break engagements. The betrothal is a Jewish person's vow, and therefore it is binding. They're not officially married yet, but it is binding unto death. This is why sometimes a betrothed woman can be referred to as a wife, and the husband can be referred to as the husband. The Bible may and sometimes also say married when it was actually betrothed. In the Jewish betrothal, the covenant is so serious that not only is the woman referred to as the wife and the man as the husband, if they step outside the lines of marriage with another person. Now hear this now. We're, we're adults and there's, there's a couple of, of, of younger children, maybe below a rated PG audience, so I'll be a little bit cryptic this evening. But uh, it is important for us to remind ourselves that there are two different vocabulary words in the Bible, and one is fornication and one is adultery. Fornication refers to single people. Adultery refers to stepping outside the lines and vows of marriage. It is important for us to understand right now that in the Jewish betrothal, the wedding ceremony has not yet taken place. But in the Jewish betrothal, the, the man has not known the woman yet. The woman has not known the man yet. They don't even live together. 
but they're betrothed. They've had vows that have, that have committed them for the re remainder of their life. And if they step outside the bounds of that betrothal before they know each other, it is not referred to as fornication. It's referred to as adultery. And the penalty was the biblical death. The covenant, therefore, is the same as it is when we stand before God as witnesses before an altar and say, I do. The only difference, and it is a big difference, and that is the marriage is not consummated for a period of time. They are legally and contractually bound to one another, but without the benefits of marriage. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. So there are steps in the Jewish betrothal process that lead up to the wedding ceremony. Actually, there are eight of them, and I'm going to go through them as quickly as I can. But the first step is the arrangement. It was not uncommon in ancient days for the father to make arrangements for the son. Abraham sent someone to find Isaac, his wife. Very, very common. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that that's not common today, but it was very common then. That was their practice. It was the arrangement. Step two was the marriage contract in which the groom would promise in writing to support his wife. Step three was the bridal payment or the bride price. It is a gift paid by the, by the groom to the bride's family. Bishop, it's a good thing we don't do this because you wouldn't have got anything. I didn't have anything to give. But it ultimately belongs to the bride in the end. It changes her status and sets her free from her parents' household. Step four is a ritual immersion. Symbolic of spiritual cleansing. Sounds like baptism, don't it? Step five is the betrothal announcement. The couple would appear together in public underneath a marriage canopy. From ancient times, the wedding canopy had been a symbol of the new household being formed. While under the canopy, the couple would participate in a ceremony where sometimes items of value were exchanged, such as rings, and a cup of wine was shared to seal the betrothal vows. After this ceremony, the couple was considered to have entered the agreement. The betrothal period was to last for a period of one year while the bride and groom continue to live separately without consummating their marriage. Step six, the bridal gift. It was a pledge from the groom to the bride of his love for her and prior to his returning home. It was, the purpose of it was for him to give her a reminder that I'm coming back. So that during the days of their separation, she would, her, her love for him would not wane. Step seven, responsibilities during the betrothal period. The groom would focus on preparing a new dwelling place for the couple to live. The bride was to keep herself busy with wedding preparation, specifically by preparing the wedding garments. Step number eight, finally, the marriage ceremony has arrived. The arrival of the groom would be a complete and total surprise. She would have an idea where the end of that year period was. She would have an idea somewhere, Brother Terry, about where it would be, but she wouldn't know exactly. So it, it, was, it was customary at that moment that the groomsman would go ahead of the groom and would begin to declare publicly in the streets, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Yeah. 
And after this, there was the sounding of the shofar. And then the marriage canopy would get assembled in the street by the groomsmen. And they would go out through the marriage wedding canopy and they would finalize their final wedding vows. The pinnacle of this joyous occasion was the marriage supper. It was far more than just a sit-down dinner for all of the guests. It included seven days of food, music, and celebration. After the festivities, somebody shout, after, not before. After the festivities, the husband was free to bring his bride into their new home and live together as husband and wife in the full covenant of marriage. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Amen. So similarly, we have been betrothed to our bridegroom. (laughs) Amen. Our bridegroom, according to the word of God, is none other than Jesus Christ. And we are referred to as the bride of Christ. How many is glad tonight to know that Jesus is on your side? Somebody wave your hands at the Lord right now. Hallelujah. I'm glad tonight that I have been betrothed to the King of kings and Lord of lords. And step number one of my betrothal to him was the arrangement. In Ephesians chapter one and verse four, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy without blame before him in love. The old song says, oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. I didn't love him first. I didn't choose him first. But he purposed before the world was ever framed that he knew who Angie Craig was. He purposed before the world was ever framed that he knew who Josh Johnson was and Pat and Terry McGee. He knew all of our names before the world was framed and he chose us as his bride. Somebody shout hallelujah. We continue on in our betrothal process to our king and that is the marriage contract. We have a legal written document that is the New Testament. The groom promises to love and care for his bride and he promised to give himself for her. It just so happens we're seven days away from a celebration wherein we know that he gave himself for his pride. Wherein we know that he loves us so much that he gave the ultimate sacrifice that we might live and that we might move and we might have our being in our bridegroom. He has paid the ultimate price for his bride and that was his own life. Now it is the bride's responsibility to yield her life and to keep herself for him. That's us. And it might be important to say that since since the only way to get out of betrothal, the only way to get out of a betrothal was through a written document of divorce. Their vows were so serious, you could not break the betrothal. If you got in a betrothal and wanted out, you had to get a divorce. And hear this, the only person who had the right under Mosaic law 
to get a written of divorce was the man. Not the woman. I apologize for equal rights activists tonight. But the lady did not have any say so in whether or not she could or could not stay in the betrothal. Yeah, we're going somewhere. Now, we look over into the modern day church and we are betrothed to him as our husband. Woo! Once you are betrothed, you don't have a right to leave. Once you are betrothed to him in marriage, you don't have a say-so in escape. I don't want out of this marriage. I don't want out of these vows. He gave his own life for me. the only way we can get out of this is if he lets you go and honey he's not ever going to let go he gave himself for a purpose so next comes the bridal payment or the bride price that he paid in 1 Corinthians 6 19 says what know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you which you have of God and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 1 Peter 1.18 says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He's paid the price for his bride. Hallelujah. He's paid the price for his bride. All he wants is a, a cultivated relationship. It was, it was said that in the betrothal that if the woman was not faithful to the man in the betrothal while he was gone, the penalty was her death. I, I am afraid tonight that we are oftentimes guilty of spiritual adultery because our husband has gone on. And he's preparing a place. And he's expecting us to be faithful while he's gone. He's expecting us to be yielded in our life to him. And our complete and total devotion to him. And to keep ourselves as a bride would. Clean, spotless, and pure to him. But yet while he's gone, how many times do we turn our back on him? And yet somewhere within the confines of spiritual adultery should be the penalty of death. And yet by His mercy, He still continues to love us. Step number four is the ritual immersion. Jesus demonstrated this as the groom in Matthew 3.16. And Jesus, when He was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto Him. And He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon Him. In Ephesians 5 and 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. You want to be made clean? Get the washing of the water by the word. 
You can't stay home and stay clean. If you're listening by way of the internet in a few days, you can't stay at home and have internet church and still stay clean. God wants a bride that's present with him. That he might present it to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. We demonstrated this ritual immersion as the bride in 1 Corinthians 6, 11 where it says, and such were some of you. But ye are washed. But ye are sanctified. But ye are justified. In what? The name of my groom. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And by the Spirit of our God. Somebody shout, thank you, Jesus. Step number five is the betrothal announcement. The Jewish understanding of betrothal has always been much stronger than our modern-day understanding of engagement. As I just spoke to you a few moments ago, they would need a divorce in order to annul the contract. That option was only available to the husband. The Scripture emphatically points to the fact that we are betrothed to the Messiah. We are now currently in our present state in the engagement period prior to the wedding. If you want to know when the wedding is going to take place, come to Wednesday night Bible study. Because we've been talking about it. Hosea chapter 2 and verse 19 continues and says, And I will betroth thee unto me forever. Hallelujah. Yea, I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness and in judgment and in loving kindness and in mercies. I will even betroth thee unto me in faithfulness and thou shalt know the Lord. The lesson and implications here are quite clear. We are secure in our Messiah's contract with us. We don't have to worry about God. We don't have to worry about Him breaking His promise. We don't have to worry about becoming too vulnerable in our love to Him because He's not going to hurt you. Oh, sometimes we don't want to get too close to somebody because we've been burned and we've been hurt and we all just need to grow up and get over it because it's happened to every one of us. But we, we, we don't want to hug people. We don't want to shake hands and we don't want to open up to somebody because we're afraid that they're going to lie on us and they're going to backstab us and they're going to do this. They're going to do that. The, the Jesus, it never going to hurt you. You, you can give your complete and total devotion to him. He's never going to hurt you. Your contract of betrothal is secure with him. The Holy Ghost is secure with you. He promises that he will not break it. John 10 and 28 says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. He's not going to let go of you for anything. Everybody that's walked out of these church doors did not come back. God didn't let go of them. It's still a one-sided marriage. He hasn't let go yet. Brother Terry, we witnessed it. 
We've seen people in marriages where that you could tell one was committed to the marriage and one wasn't. Yeah. He's secure in his contract. The bridal gift is next. In Ephesians, Paul tells us that this pledge or gift is the Holy Spirit. It is a promise of love and that He will return for us. Ephesians 1.13 says, In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth. How many is glad you trusted Him after you heard the word of truth? The gospel of your salvation. In whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession and to the praise of His glory. Interestingly enough, this pledge of this Holy Spirit of promise was given at Pentecost. In an upper room. Ten days after He had said, I'll never leave you. After He said, I'm going away. But don't worry about it. Because I'm coming back. He came back in spirit form. Next, he's coming back in body form. Woo! He gave us proof of how he would keep his covenant through the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 31, verse 33. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. Step number seven, once again, is the responsibilities during the betrothal period. The groom would focus on preparing a new dwelling place for the couple to live. We find recorded in the book of John, chapter 14, that he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Because he knew at this point he was already betrothed to his church. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. The bride during this one year period would consecrate herself and prepare holy garments for the upcoming marriage. Paul, the apostle, puts a preparation in very clear terms in Ephesians 5.27 that he might present it to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. The bridegroom is making preparations to return for his bride we, as the bride, need to ask ourselves, as his betrothed, are we keeping our garments clean? Are we arrayed in our bridal attire? Are we keeping our covenant promises and vows? Because if you're not keeping your covenant promises and vows, that just might be a breach of contract. I don't want the bridegroom to come back and tell me that I've not kept his promise and that I have annulled my wedding. The final step is the marriage. We've not gotten that far yet. We've went through every step. We've went through the first seven steps 
up to this age. As of today, the first seven, seven steps have been completed. Now we await the marriage. As noted before, in traditional Jewish weddings, one of the groomsmen would go out, and you find this in New Testament writ, but one of the groomsmen would go out before the groom and would shout, Behold! The bridegroom cometh. Should we expect anything less than the coming of our heavenly bridegroom? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. That's his declaration. With the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, everybody shout we, which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. We're betrothed tonight in our groom's coming. How prepared are you for your wedding? That's the question. How prepared are you for your wedding? Stand with me tonight. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 2 says for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy for I have espoused betrothed I've committed you to one husband Christ that I may present you as a chaste virgin I never liked it if I was dating a girl. This didn't happen with my wife, so I'll just get that out before I make my statement. But I never liked it if I was dating a girl and she paid more attention to another guy than she did me. Probably was not another date after that. That was a deal breaker. It's a good thing we weren't betrothed. I could just imagine God sitting on his throne and the times of heartbreak that he suffers because his bride's flirting with another man. When all along through the ages we are to be presented to Him in His coming as a chaste virgin. Now I realize I realize sometimes there's more beyond the surface than what we know but we've all been taught actions speak louder than words. And I think if we were all uh, transparent with one another tonight we would admit the type of reputation that we classify to a girl who spends more time talking and caring for another man than she does her own. We've all got words for that. I won't rehearse them right now. But we all have things that we think of and there's, there's, there's adjectives that we apply to that. 
What is our groom supposed to think if we're flirting with the world and we're supposed to be to him as a chaste virgin? Pure, unblemished, spotless, and clean. Clean. Clean means untouched. Apostle Paul is referring to the church that we must be single in our love to him. Jesus himself said it, you cannot serve God and man. We must be single in our love and our devotion to him. Standing in such relationship with him that we're pure in our principles of faith. That we're sincere and upright in our worship and holy in our lives and in our conversation. I'm talking tonight about the principle of betrothal. A principle is just simply a, a fundamental doctrine. And the principle of betrothal is this. We are in a New Testament covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. Only He has the power to separate us. We're His. And while we understand that we're His, we need to understand He will never leave us. He said, I'll never forsake you. He said, I'll go with you all the way till the end of the world. I wonder how many could just gather around this altar tonight in a... In a Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.